Welcome to the Insurgents Podcast with Frank Viola. And he's brought a friend. This is the podcast that supplements Frank's groundbreaking book, Insurgents, Reclaiming the Gospel of the Kingdom, which is shaking up the Christian world. You can find out details about the book at insurgents.org. Sit back, open all four ears, physical and spiritual, and join the insurgents. Here's Frank. Welcome, welcome, everyone, to another edition of the Insurgents Podcast. I am joined with my compatriot, Nicholas, Nikki V., and we are going to continue talking about every reference to the kingdom of God in the Gospels, specifically that which is in Matthew and Luke, but not in Mark. And today's reference is in Matthew chapter 8, verse 11. And I think I'll just read the context here because I think it's essential to understanding what Jesus is referring to when he uses the term kingdom. Matthew 8, 5, when Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer or a centurion came and pleaded with him, Lord, my young servant lies in bed paralyzed and is in terrible pain. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. But the officer said, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come into my home. Just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. I know this because I am under the authority of my superior officers and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say go and they go, come and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning to those who were following him, he said, I tell you the truth, I haven't seen faith like this in all Israel. Boy, that is a slight against the Jewish people right there because this is a Gentile saying this. Worse, a Roman soldier. A Roman soldier, a centurion. Which, by the way, in, in Capernaum, the centurions, they did not have a hundred people under them. It was more like 60 to 80. And that's a little piece of useless information you can tuck away. <laughs> Turning to those, yes. So he says, I've not seen faith like this in all Israel. And I tell you this, that then he adds more to it. He piles on more. I tell you this, that many Gentiles will come from all over the world, from east and west. And in Luke 13, the parallel passage, I think he even says north and south, that will come from the east and the west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the big hitters in Israel, in the Jewish faith, at the feast in the kingdom of heaven. But many Israelites, those for whom the kingdom was prepared, the heirs of the kingdom, will be thrown out into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the Roman officer, go back home because you believed it has happened. And the young servant was healed that same hour. Now, at the end of the parallel passage in Luke 13, in verse 30, Jesus adds, and indeed there are last who will be first and there are first who will be last. So, just a few comments. The... Jewish people of this day believed that the great banquet at the end of the age would mark the celebration of the coming kingdom. And for Jesus to say that Gentiles would be part of this banquet was heretical to the ear of any Jew during this era. And these are the people who are listening to him. Even though in the book of Isaiah, it prophesied that the great banquet 
at the end of the age would include people from all over the earth, the Hebrews at this time believed it was only for Israel. And here Jesus is saying that many who are the rightful heirs of the kingdom, the gospels to the Jew first, right? The descendants of Abraham, who God had a covenant with, they're going to be thrust out. And these unclean heathen Gentiles are going to be seated at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the patriarchs. Wow. This is just, if you were there listening to this, if you're a Gentile, you'd have your jaw dropped open, not believing what this man is saying. And if you were a Jewish person, you were absolutely outraged. This is before the outrage culture that we live in. You were, you were outraged. <laughs> this whole radical reversal marks the kingdom of God. That the lost, the last, the least in the coming kingdom will end up being the found, the greatest, and the first. And that's exactly what the Lord Jesus is saying here. It's pretty incredible. It absolutely... I mean, this is an astounding passage right here. Um, first of all, as a Gentile... <laughs> it gives me some hope. Yes, amen. Um, and I, I bet this story was actually probably pretty important. Uh, I mean, there's a reason why Luke includes it in, in his gospel for different reasons than I think Matthew does. I mean, I think Matthew includes it because it has this warning. I mean, it's really, it's like a prophetic warning to the Jews, or at least to some Jews. And then on the flip side, if you're Luke and you're traveling around out there with Paul and you're running around Gentile territory and Gentile churches and we have the whole, all the issues going on in the first century, it gives you a little bit of uh, insight into the nature of our Lord and into the nature of his kingdom and how, how it all works. So it, it depending on, on where you're postured, this is either a prophetic warning at you or, or it gives you some hope um, because this guy really, I mean, this is, we're talking about a Roman military person. That was probably among the most hated people yes. uh, in that time period. And if you're thinking that, even if you're buying into Jesus and who he is and all of that, you're thinking it, it might include a lot more people than you realize, but it definitely doesn't include right. a Roman centurion. Well, he is an oppressor of God's people. Yes. And not only does it include him, he's not standing in the back row. Right. Jesus is implying that this guy might be saying to Abraham, pass me a fork, yeah. like sitting right next to him, right, at, at right. the feast. I mean, this is incredibly astounding comments by Jesus here. It's not just that the inclusion of Gentiles and pagans and Roman centurions, but it's to the exclusion yeah. of the children of the kingdom, so to speak, yeah. the, the rightful heirs, and certainly the leaders of Israel mm -hmm. who believe they yeah. were tight with God, they're going to be thrust out. And he describes the anguish, mm -hmm. weeping and gnashing of teeth. It really is incredible. And the very fact that he commended this, this Roman leader because of his faith which again was an implicit criticism against the Jewish people who were listening to him and did not believe I, I think part of it is that you know he understood the Lord's authority he was in effect recognizing Jesus authority 
you know, in that day, pious Jews did not associate with Gentiles, and they certainly would not go to their house. And yet Jesus was willing to do that. And in this stage of, of the Gospels, Jesus is not actively seeking out Gentiles. He's always focused on going to the lost house of Israel. He's going exclusively to the Jew. But if a Gentile came to him, he would absolutely heal them, speak to them, touch them, respond to them. And it was kind of a precursor that the gospel message was going to open up to all of the Gentile world, which eventually did, thank God. The reversal is just unbelievable. It's so counterintuitive. And I think there's so many things about the kingdom of God that are counterintuitive. They go against the grain of what you would normally think. Two things here also I want to add. One is, I think Paul elaborates on this whole theme of the Jew and the Gentile and how there's been a reversal in Romans 9, 10, and 11. Mm -hmm. And I wonder, because Paul never met Jesus when he was in his earthly ministry, during his earthly ministry, but he certainly heard stories and parables, you know, via Peter and James and John. So I wonder if when he wrote Romans 9, 10, 11, if Romans 9, 10, and 11, if this parable wasn't in the back of his mind, that's one thing. The other thing that I think about is we live in the culture of outrage. And part of the outrage in our culture here in the 21st century, whenever you're listening to this, this may have been a long, long time ago, is when people are excluded. Because there's such a push in our country that everyone is included, everyone's on the same level. How dare you exclude Johnny from the baseball team? He has to be included. And how dare you elevate little Susie because she aced the math quiz. You have to include everyone else, even those who failed. Well, I tell you what, if we transported our culture back into the first century, listening to Jesus say, hey, there's mm -hmm. some who are going to be in the kingdom and there's some that are going to be out. Mm -hmm. And those who are out are the <laughs> ones who believe they deserved it. The outrage would be raised to the 50th power, mm -hmm. right, against Jesus. So I just want to point that out because it's so easy to, all of us are tempted to do this, to reinterpret Jesus in our own image. Oh, he's, right. he's meek, he's mild, he's kind, everyone's equal, everyone gets in. That's not the case. Yeah. And when people preach a gospel that says everybody's going to make it, everybody's in the same level, mm -hmm. everybody is equal <laughs> in this sense, right, you cannot square that with the fact that in the coming age, in this messianic feast, some are out, some are in. And that's sobering for all of us. Yeah, for sure, for sure. If this story were to be unfolding today, I can't help but wonder that he would be saying these very difficult things to the Christian culture. Absolutely. Where so many of us, and, and, and really one of the words that comes to my mind um, here is assurance, right? There's an assurance on the sense in this story of the uh, Jewish leaders that their place they're in. in the coming kingdom is secure mm -hmm. by virtue of their office, by virtue of their creeds, by virtue of their positions, by, you it's know. It's a shoe in Absolutely. Take it for granted. But who is today's version of that? And I don't, I don't want to unpack this in too much detail, but in my mind, today's version of those same kinds of leaders exists in the Christian household 
in terms of those that feel like they're a shoe in and um, the kinds of people that they would be offended with of who Jesus might say. I mean, the, the language here, again, is so astounding when it says that when Jesus heard this, he marveled. He marveled at what he just heard come out of the mouth yeah. of a Roman soldier. And instead of addressing him, he turns around and addresses his followers and everybody else there that was, was oh. present for this in Capernaum. Assuredly, I say to you guys, yes. <laughs> I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And then it gets worse from there. Yeah. You know, the yeah. news gets even even grimmer for, for those who are on the listening in that. So, you know, for me, there's a couple things here that really stand out. My assurance is not based on my spiritual pedigree, my Christian resume, or any of this kind of stuff. This has to do with, am I fastened to this man, Jesus, in a living way right now? You know, the old saying, God doesn't have any grandchildren. You're either directly born of him or you're not. Your lineage doesn't count for anything in the kingdom of God, your earthly human lineage, even your Christian lineage. It doesn't matter if, you know, you're, you're a, a preacher or a pastor and you're like the sixth generation preacher slash pastor yeah. in your family. So what? Who cares? What matters is, do you have this kind of faith that Jesus is describing here? And that faith is in him. This, is a, this has to do with fastening yourself to the God-man. That's what this Roman centurion has done. He has made this connection instinctively about who Jesus is. I mean, we don't know what his background is. Maybe he's been around long enough to understand the Hebrew religion, and he's heard things, and he's read things. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. Somehow, instinctively, he has completely fastened himself to this man, even to the point of saying, because other people had approached Jesus and said, hey, come, can you come and heal? And he, does, he knows that that's not even necessary. His insight into who Jesus Christ mm, is, is, yeah. is absolutely astounding here. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go out on a limb and begin sawing really hard because I, <laughs> I do want to, I want to make an application to this. And it's, it's to me too. It's, it's not to, uh, to anybody specific, but I will, I will in attempt to bring this home, name names, but stay with me now, because if you turn the podcast off and uh, close up your computer or you turn your phone off without hearing the rest of it, I think you're going to miss I think this is certainly embedded in this, this statement that Jesus made here is a, a sober warning against elitism and exclusivism among God's people. He is highlighting spiritual complacency. He's highlighting uh, taking our security in the kingdom for granted. You know, I wrote Regrace, which is all about the fact that when Christians divide and reproach one another and upbraid one another and scold one another and and cut one another off over doctrinal differences just differences in biblical interpretation they are grieving the holy spirit and doing violence to jesus christ himself because they're slicing and dicing his body 
I think that the angels of heaven will be administering smelling salts to many reformed people <laughs> when they see Arminian people in the kingdom of God and vice versa. Many Arminians will be passing out when they see reformed brothers and sisters in the kingdom of God in the same way many Baptists are going to faint when they see Pentecostals in the kingdom of God in the future and vice versa. Many Pentecostals are going to have surprise on their faces when they see Baptists in the kingdom. You see what I'm saying? You can insert sure. any denomination you want in there. I think there's going to be many house church people that are going to have running fits when they see institutional church pastors in the kingdom of God and vice versa. So my point is, is that this applies to all of us. It's easy to be captured by a spirit of elitism, exclusivism, where we basically say, like the Jewish people at this time, many of them said, there's no way that the Gentiles are going to make it into the feast and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Jesus turned that upside down. Mm. Therein lies the sober warning for all of us to be apt to open our hearts up to all of God's people and to be, to be pleasantly surprised by Jesus and to resist being offended with him. I made a statement not long ago. It came out of a, a writing I had, I had produced in years past, but I put it on social media. I basically said, if Jesus is not surprising you, you're not growing. And uh, a woman totally objected and said, I am never surprised by what Jesus does. Never in my life have I been surprised. And I just felt like, well, I'm not sure she understands or sees the Jesus that I understand and see because he does things and allows things that are surprising. And this is one example. If you inserted yourself here and you were able to 21st century this, it's quite surprising. That's great. As we're talking here and going through this passage, I'm also thinking, you know, this is a literal manifestation of a promise that is repeated in Genesis, which is when the Lord says to Abraham, surely you'll become a great nation and through him, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. So we have like evidence of this happening in this passage here. Here is the nations represented by this Roman centurion being blessed as he is being told he's going to be sitting at the table with the with the great patriarchs right of the Hebrew faith and it's like a literal fulfillment of of Genesis I mean this happens in Genesis 12 Genesis 18 Genesis 22 this statement's made repeatedly right mm. so here's a literal fulfillment of this happening in front of people's eyes yes. and you would think that there would be a rejoicing going on right because if <laughs> anything is a manifestation of the kingdom happening it's here here is somebody being brought in and you get the idea that the idea was well okay maybe that's going to be true the nations will be blessed by us but they're not going to be equal to us and they're not going to have the same blessing they're not going to have the same degree of blessing as we have and here is the lord literally leveling the the playing field or in this case the blessing field is being leveled in that this guy or people like him 
are going to, are going to be seated at the table. The same honor mm-hmm. that the patriarchs are getting yeah. is going to be given to a guy like this, an oppressor of yeah. God's people. I mean, the implications are astounding, but it's like a literal fulfillment of, of these yeah. promises in Genesis. Yeah. And they don't see that. And the children of the kingdom, many of them, thrust out into outer darkness. I mean, that takes it beyond, yeah. you know, just Gentile inclusion. Well, okay, and let's talk about that. So what is your interpretation of that? Is this a passage dealing with their salvation or just their place in the kingdom is going to be forfeited? I, I don't know where, what, how do I don't know how to interpret Whatever that. Whatever it is, it's <laughs> you not you good don't be and there. you don't want to be involved in it. That's all I will say about it. Let me close this by reading out of Isaiah 25. And this is the part that many of the Hebrew people missed. Isaiah 25, 6. On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples. (laughs) Not just my people, all peoples. A banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines. On this mountain, he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove his people's disgrace from all the earth the Lord has spoken. So here's one example of many others in the Old Testament where the feast of the age to come is going to include not just Israel, but all people. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the Insurgents Podcast and give it a five-star review on iTunes. This will help others find it. Also, you can join Frank's unfiltered email list at frankviola.org and receive encouragement, challenges, and insights connected to the gospel of the kingdom. Remember, the Insurgents has begun. Don't miss it.